Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step -step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code G. GDIY 20 at checkout to save 20%. GDIY has partnered with the Bird Dog Society to do monthly bonus check-ins to discuss and announce any news and events that may be of interest for any and all bird dog owners and trainers. There are a lot of factors that impact us as we try to train, hunt, and just live with our dogs. So it is important to recognize the resources we utilize are maintained, improved, and people actually know about them. Please check out the links in the show notes that can direct you where to get involved and show your support. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Bird Dog Society Update. Joined with me this time is Terry Ann Fernando, and Terry Ann is just coming off of a very exciting accomplishment with her dog, Zara. Terry Ann, why don't you go ahead and, and start off telling everybody about the uh, just the accomplishment and overall kind of the end goal and what it feels like to be done with the uh, invitational prep and test and just the, the accomplishment as a whole. Yeah, so thanks for having me, Nick. Um, so Zara and I went to the NAVDA Invitational a couple weeks ago and we ran and she did pass the test. So she earned her versatile champion title, which was obviously very exciting. Um, this was our second time trying for this. We tried last year and didn't pass. So, you know, to have that, to, to work for something and have it pay off is obviously <laughs> very fulfilling. Um, and, you know, we've been in NAVDA now for six years and it kind of definitely feels like the end of a journey in a sense, like the sense of relief is, is, is there for sure. You, you finally got that, that bookend, you know, you've talked in the past, you know, you've been on this podcast and, and a number of others, yours included where you kind of came into it to where you obviously weren't a hunter. You, you know, you got Zara and, and nav to kind of help spark that that passion or at least give you an avenue or or a direction to go with her and then after a few years i think you said last year that there was no way in heck you were going to go through that journey again and then fast forward you you do it again and you actually accomplished it this year and and you just put that nice bookend at the end of the line yeah i mean it's you know you going into it like obviously this year i really wanted to pass um but you, you just know the odds are against you. I mean, the pass rate is left less than 50%. So, you know, I had to be realistic with myself, like that, you know, there's a real chance we may not pass. It's all these NAVDA tests. It's hard to get everything to line up in one day. And there's so many outside factors, especially at the invitational level. So um, I feel like, you know, after we, we passed, everyone's like, Oh my God, how does it feel? How does it feel? And I'm like, I don't know. It hasn't really sunk in. Like it just, <laughs> it's like, it's like I didn't have it and all of a sudden I did and it was like oh really is this for real like I don't know <laughs> yeah so if you've you've had a little bit of time for it to sink in has it sunk in yet uh yeah 
I mean, I, I think so. Uh, more so. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it does, you know, it feels like very satisfying to have it, um, have to have accomplished that obviously. And, and it's a ton of work. I mean, if you, if you have trained for the invitational, you know, um, just the amount of, you know, just try trading time and planning. And even I realized just the, for me, like the mental effort, like every day I'd be like, okay, what do I have to do? Like, do I need to run her to condition her for the heat? Like I need to work on healing. Okay. I'm going to have to do a blind retrieve. Like there was just so much like all throughout the summer, like not that we trained every single day. I mean, we did something every day usually, but just that like mental load of like, oh gosh, what do I have to do? And now I'm just like forcing myself to take a break. So that's pretty nice. (laughs) Yeah, I've, I've talked to a few people, and honestly, uh, so this is coming out the week of uh, I'm doing like a before and after series for utility tests, talking to somebody as they're going into the test, and then after, and then next week, I'm doing the same thing with the invitational test, somebody that was going into it, and then after it. And uh, so it's good timing that, you know, we're kind of getting this update, but the people that I've spoken with that kind of accomplishes this goal, it's kind of, it mirrors what you're saying to where it's like you have this long-term goal you know, going on over a year because you had to qualify the year prior. And then you spend this entire summer preparing for the event and pass or fail, you kind of get done. And it's just kind of like, well, what's the goal now? What what are we doing now? You've kind of built this routine and expectation. And let's face it, the dogs love getting worked that often. And so, you know, we might want to take a break mentally, but the dogs are still looking at you like, hold up, wait, you know, where, where's my training session? Where's my work? Oh, yes. Uh, We are definitely in that boat because um, if you know me, I don't really rest well. So (laughs) (laughs) like a week after my husband was like, you have a lot of energy this week. (laughs) 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 I'm like, yeah, that's because I'm not running around doing all this training. Um, So anyway, I'm like forcing myself to take a month off just because I know I need it. But uh, no, we are not done. Um, we do plan Well, we're taking a quick trip up to New Hampshire this coming weekend and do hope to do a little bit of rough grouse hunting. Nice. Maybe Woodcock if we run into them as well. But then my next goal is in November, I'm going to go back to running Zara and AKC field trials and try to see if we can, you know, get a maybe finish her field championship title. I mean, that's it's hard to, you know, there's no control over that, but, you know, at least have some fun because she's still, she's still got the drive. I mean, the way she was running in these at the Invitational, it's like, she's running like a field draw dog. So she's clearly yeah. still got it. <laughs> have you, what's, what's it like switching from hunt test to field trial? You know, when you're going uh, kind of just going out there with your dog and you're kind of testing your capabilities against a standard. And then the next week or the next month or whatever, you're actually competing against other people. Is there any kind of hiccup for you kind of turning one side of the brain off and turning the other one on, or is it just kind of a seamless transition for you and Zara now? Yeah. I mean, I would say it it hasn't been too difficult, but I do try to be very like segmented in my training. So I think it can get confusing for the dog. And, and this is, this has definitely been to our detriment. Like some people, you know, they only do field trials or they only do hunt tests or hunting and NAVDA and they really don't combine the two. And sometimes I think that is, that can be good. Um, but for me, like I have one dog, I want to do everything. So I'm willing to like suffer sometimes in certain areas because of that. But for example, like the invitational, when you, after your dog is is on a bird and it's points a bird, maybe the gunners miss, you have to heal your dog off leash away from that bird. Whereas in field trials, you would collar your dog off. Like you pick them, you take your hand and put it in the collar and kind of walk them down, um, you know, away from the bird. 
So what I do is like all like starting like beginning of April until the invitational, like I always would heal Zara off. I don't do any collaring, but now all my training until we're done with field trials is collaring. So I try to be like very black and white of like, okay, now we are doing this versus, you know, now we're going to do this. And she has been pretty good about transitioning, but you know, like I said, sometimes it is, you know, like in NABDA, for example, if the dog turns to mark on a bird, that's not really highly penalized, you know, as long as it's a reasonable mark, like the bird flies behind them, right? They're turned to mark because they got to retrieve it. Right. Whereas in a field trial, like you, you can turn to mark. Um, that's not always a terrible thing, but a lot of times if a dog is, is super steady, doesn't move a foot. And then you have a dog that does turn to mark the dog that doesn't move a foot at all might do better. So, you know, that's one thing that I've allowed her to turn to mark a lot. And, when we go to field trials, that's something I really got to like try to nip in the bud, which can be difficult. So clean up. And and I think that's uh that's the more challenging part is the changing the dog's kind of expectations or what they cue off of really the, the devil's in the details with stuff like that. You know, we always talk about the importance of remaining consistent, r- regardless of which game you decide that you want to go play it. You know, if you're always going to be healing, you know, step off with your left foot every time, you know, always it, it's those little small things that your dogs start picking up on. And when you go to a different venue, what you're d- describing I can I can put myself in your shoes and realize like this can be confusing to a lot of dogs that are used to doing s- certain things a certain way. I mean, just the the healing versus the collar uh, grab or or collaring off whatever you I forgot how you uh, described it. That's that may sound like a very simple thing for us. It's like, well, the dog's used to healing. It shouldn't be that big of a deal. But it's just like if the dog's not used to you reaching down there and grabbing the collar at every time, you can probably get a dog that shies away from that or look at you like, well, what are you doing? You know, that this isn't this isn't how we do things. So it's it's the devils in the details when you start talking about dogs and, and how they're going to interact and anticipate what you're doing. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, with the collaring, Zara is actually, if I don't grab her like real tight, she's like wanting to bolt. I, I don't know. She has to, <laughs> I need to work, keep working on that. <laughs> Whereas the healing, she's usually fine. Uh, so on the collaring, you don't have an option. Like you have to collar them off. You can't just heal them away to kind of simplify it for your end. You can heal them away. Uh, there's no rule that you can't. But for me, like the healing is already like a little bit loose. Um, oh, healed, okay. So it's like, you know, the call, you better be sure your dog's going to heal with you. You know what I mean? Like I'm not taking that chance. So, <laughs> yeah. And so you, you're still, you're just talking walking trialing, right? You're not, are you getting into the horseback trials at all? So I run horseback trials, but I walk. That's right. Yeah. You've told me about that in the past. I forgot about that. I, it's something that you don't hear enough about to where most people don't even realize that's an option. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I mean, it depends on the trial, but I've definitely been to trials where I am the only walking handler in a horseback stake, but I've also, you know, recently there's, there's usually one or two or, you know, a couple of walking people. So I think that is growing a little bit. Awesome. Well, so you're headed up to New Hampshire to uh, grouse and woodcock hunt. I got to ask, I know you just got done with the hunting workshop that you guys held this past weekend with. Uh, and then I think Grayson was the one that did the uh, woodcock demonstration. I'm curious, did you, did you pick up or learn any tips or tricks throughout the seminar that you think you'll be able to apply next week up in New Hampshire? I definitely learned a lot. I'm kind of blanking on, you know, I think I've done a fair amount of woodcock hunting already down here. So I think, um, 
you know, I'm hoping some of that will transfer over to rough grouse. I mean, they they tend to be in similar types of cover. So, so yeah, I mean, Grayson talked about, I think the scouting, you know, I, I've definitely been doing some online scouting for places because I haven't been to New Hampshire before. So, you know, the, the, all the speakers talked about that. So that was helpful. And, you know, some different, um, te- some different apps to look at um, besides Onyx that I've used before. So, so yeah. So uh, are you, I'm assuming that you have some friends or something that you're going to link up with, like how familiar are you with this area or are you really just kind of going in blind where I'm going to pick my own spots. I'm going to truly do it DIY. You know, where are we at on, on the uh, trip going into it? I talked to a few people, but at this point I'm going by myself uh, with Zara. So, you know, I've got some, you know, hints on air, general areas to look at and, um, you know, I, I think from a safety perspective, I'm a little hesitant to meet up with random people. So, uh, yeah. so at this point, just by myself, um, my husband does not hunt, so he's not joining me. <laughs> so, so it really is a solo trip. I didn't know if you're going to link up with any of the NAVDA folks up in the Northeast or something like that. Not that anyone I have been in contact with, um, unfortunately, but that's okay. That's awesome. So I, I got to ask, I'm curious, why New Hampshire out of all the other states? You know, you hear some about New Hampshire here and there, but uh, obviously, you know, there's there's more, I don't know, traditional uh, hot spots, if you want to call it that. Why New Hampshire? You just, you know, something that you wanted to go try? No, it's because my husband got invited to a wedding um, in New Hampshire. And of course, when he told me about this, my first you know, th- thought was, oh, well, it's grouse and woodcock season in October, November. Like, let's go. <laughs> Perfect timing. So we're going up there for the wedding and we're going to drive, obviously, and take the dog. So after the wedding, I have two days to hunt. <laughs> <laughs> so you got the clock is ticking right after the wedding. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, let's, uh, I want to hear more about the the hunting workshop because I know this is w- an event that you guys have been planning for a little while. You guys were excited about it. And uh, with obviously going into hunting season, I think it provided a, a, a pretty uh, good resource for somebody that is really kind of a beginner. And, and I'm interested to hear your take on uh, maybe somebody that's experienced, you know, what was the event like and what kind of information was presented and, and what was the feedback coming out of it? Yeah. So we had the workshop on this past Saturday um, and we were down at the Hoffman field trial grounds in North Carolina. And we had three main speakers. We had Wes Everman talking about quail. We had Grayson Geyer talking about woodcock and Garrett Frey talking about waterfowl hunting. And then we also had people from the NC wildlife Resources Commission there talking about um, bird biology and then also, you know, scouting and using the website to find information and that sort of thing. So and and we also did um, so we had like lectures in the morning and then we had lunch and then we did like field excursions in the afternoon. So each one of our presenters had a spot that they took people to on the game lands um, and you picked where you wanted to go. So you, you kind of picked your top one and went with that person. So. I thought it was a fantastic event. The speakers each talked for about an hour or so. Um, and in my mind, they just gave amazing presentations. They, they all kind of flowed from each other, like uh, Grayson started and then Wes went after him. And they just kind of, you know, they hadn't planned anything, but they just, they complimented each other so well. It was really interesting. 
Um, and you know, they all, they gave like very kind of a comprehensive overview. So all the things you might need to know about woodcock hunting, especially in this area, you know, not, you know, scouting the type of clothes you might want to wear, um, what you, how to prepare your dog, um, you know, what to do with a woodcock after you shoot one, like how to prepare it for cooking. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a great event. So it sounds like if, if somebody is really, you know, you hear from people all the time, I'm brand new to this. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea where to go. This type of event and what you guys are really trying to do here at Bird Dog Society, like this is the perfect opportunity for you to come into where it's not going to be just tactics as in terms of like finding where to hunt or, or taking your dog and, and actually how to shoot them. But it's going to start with the very basic stuff on on just the clothes, what to wear, what to bring, what to do. And then even the the post hunt, which is, in my opinion, uh, figuring out how to cook and enjoy the the game meat. That's, that's a big part of the equation for me because, you know, I don't want to go out there and shoot stuff that just sits in the freezer or I don't really appreciate like that is, uh, you know, that bookends the experience for me. So it sounds like this is right up people's alley to where people all the time are claiming that this is, this is what they're after. Yeah, for sure. And we had, a, I think we had a range of people. We're going to do an after event, like, um, I guess, feedback form or survey to get a, probably a little bit more information. But just knowing I knew a lot of, I knew some of the people there, um, you know, some people are brand new to hunting. They've never really hunted before and never hunted with a dog. And we had people that that have hunted or they've had hunted a long time, but, you know, maybe not with a dog or they just wanted more information. Um, and I think there was just something for everyone. It was, um, it was very, it was very interactive and all the speakers, you know, there was people were asking questions. There's no, there was no dumb question. Like, you know, I think people felt comfortable enough that they could ask a question and not be judged or anything. I mean, it was a small enough group. We had capped it at 30, so it was not some massive auditorium or anything. Um, so I think it's, it's often surprising to a lot of people when you go to a a like-minded uh, group gathering such as that a classroom or just lecture or something like that you're you're surrounded by people that are there for the same reasons you are and so it's it's surprising to them a lot of the times how comfortable it is to start speaking in front of the group and asking the questions to where you know if you're one-on-one even sometimes people are kind of hesitant to ask you questions very often but if you're surrounded by other people that all of a sudden start asking questions then it just gets fired up. And then that's really where you start getting some really good information. And that's why these live events that you guys are trying to put on, I know you'll have a a few of them kind of coming up uh, outside of just this one that we're going to get to, but that's why, like, I think if anybody listening to this is interested in any of the topics, you know, don't hesitate, sign up and go, go check it out. Yeah. And we also had a videographer recording the whole thing. So that was um, really nice, and they are going to edit the videos, and they're going to be available to our members on on the website. So if you're a member and you're not local, all that information is now going to be available to you. So um, I think that's, especially the lecture portion, I think that'll be very helpful for people to watch. No, I'll, I'll be interested in watching that myself. So speaking of future events that you guys are trying to hold, let's talk about what's coming down the pipe because you all have a, a million things on the schedule as usual, especially with webinars every single month, pretty much. Uh, kind of let's go down the calendar and go down the list and, and let everybody know if they're interested. You know, these are these are the dates and, and type of events that they could join you guys, support you guys, and then they could uh, participate in. 
Yeah, so we do have our webinars. Uh, we have one coming up this month. It's um, being put on by our board member, Jay, about, I think it's called Stickers, Seeds, and Thorns, <laughs> and all sorts of <laughs> bad things you don't want your dog get to get into. Uh, and we have other ones as well. Uh, they're on the website if you want to register. And those are open to anyone. You don't have to be a, a BDS member to, to watch them. And then after that, our next in-person event at this point will be the St. Hubert's trial, which is happening at the beginning of February. And we did confirm some of the judges for that event. So we're having two different divisions. We're having a pointing division and a flushing division. So you can enter if you have a pointing or a flushing dog. And within those two divisions, there's uh, two more divisions. There is the kind of hunter class, which is, you know, a solid hunting dog, but not necessarily trained to be steady to wing shot and fall. And then the um, the trialer division, which is more of that higher caliber of dog work. So our judge for the trialer class in the pointing dogs is Jake Bartels. He is a Brittany guy who's also a NAVDA judge. So he'll be coming down to judge the trialers. And then our hunter class judge is the one and only Nick Adair, <laughs> who is right here. <laughs> yeah, that's it, that's good to know. Je, uh, Grayson just reached out. Hey, do you want to be a, a judge? I'm like, absolutely, I'll be a judge. But I didn't know if I was doing trial or, or hunter. So uh, good to know. But I will be there. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Yes. And then we have uh, Tracy Hayes, who's going to be in the flushing division. And I can't remember if Tracy is judging the trialers, the hunters. So apologies, I don't have that clarification. Mm -hmm. And then we're looking for one more flushing judge. So Grayson's kind of heading that up, but um, that will information will come out soon, I'm sure. So the other thing about that event is right now it's a it's a two day event. So it's Saturday, Sunday, and we'd had gotten a little bit of confusion from some people about which days they could sign up. So right now you can sign up for either one day or the other. So you could sign up for Saturday or Sunday, or you can sign up for both days. So if you want to sign up for Saturday and Sunday, that's another option as well. And you can run your dog in both different days. And we'll, I think each day is going to be a separate, um, like a separate trial or separate, you know, pool to pull, you know, ch like champ, not champions, but pool <laughs> winners from. Um, Compete. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, that's one thing to know. If you only can come one day, great. If you want to come both, um, that's fine as well. It, it'll be fun. Anybody that's wanting more information on that trial and kind of the makeup, I do have an episode uh, coming out here here in the coming weeks with Grayson to where we kind of go into more detail of what what it really is about because it's, it's a pretty neat concept. It's something that hasn't been done very often here in the U.S. especially. So it's it's not it's more so than uh, maybe what other people think of trials or something like that. It's it's kind of a different setup and and uh, objective really. So if anybody uh, interested in that, just stay tuned. Here in a few weeks, there'll be more information coming out on that. Yeah, and then after that, we are going to do our I guess second annual shed hunt, which that was our first in person event this past year, and that will be March 9th at the Falls Butner Game Lands in North Carolina. So that's where we held it last year. And, you know, we had a pretty good turnout, but hopefully we'll get even more people this year and you can learn how to hunt sheds with your dog, which is a great thing to do in the off season um, or when you're not hunting. So, um, you know, check out that. I'm sure registration will open soon enough. <laughs> do you know if there'll be a cap on that? Is there going to be so much space allowed for, for that one? I think there was a cap this year, if I remember correctly. I'm sure there will be a cap. Just, you know, you can't have 500 people. <laughs> <But> <laughs> right. I wouldn't get that many anyway, but 
I'm sure there will be. I'm not sure what it is right now. We haven't um, discussed that. Yeah, it's March. We got time to get that out to everybody. But yeah, just stay tuned for the sign up on that. That'll come out at some point soon, I'm sure. Yeah. And then the other update we had is we added another board member. Uh, Her name is Alicia Baird. And I hope I said that right. (laughs) And she is a poodle pointer breeder and, um, you know, uh, involved in the poodle pointer uh, breed and organizations. And she's our new treasurer. So um, that's a, definitely a great addition because uh, Jim had been doing a lot of the treasurer work, but you know he's already got enough on his plate. So she is a great addition to the board and uh, we're happy to have her as well. Nice. That's awesome. Alicia's great. I had her on uh, a while back about the uh, Poodle Pointer Society that they do naps. And uh, uh, does that round out your board members? So do, are you guys full on the board members now? Uh, I think pretty good for now. I mean, if we, I don't think there's necessarily a limit, you know, we're not looking to add like 20 more people or anything, but I think if, if the right person came along, I'm sure we would consider adding them. But for now, yeah, we're, we have a pretty good slate um, of board members. I am blanking exactly on how many we have now, <laughs> maybe about six. Um, yep. So that's, that's a good number. Yeah. Yeah. As long as all the important roles are taken care of, but yeah, if, if you're listening to this and you think that you can bring some value in a certain way, then by all means, reach out. And I'm sure that they, they'd be happy to have you. Yes, definitely. So is there anything else on the on the calendar coming down the pipe that's worth mentioning right now? Or is that just save it for the next update? Yeah, I think that's everything that's confirmed at the moment. Uh, there's definitely stuff in the works, but um, I think it's going to have to wait for next time. Awesome. Well, Terri-Ann, it's, it's always great catching up with you. Again, congratulations on the uh, Versatile Championship. It's a, it's an admirable thing and, and uh, something to be proud of for sure. But I'm, I'm particularly interested in, in hearing how your hunting trip in New Hampshire goes. I'm, I'm excited to hear, hopefully. Because uh, you, have you bagged a grouse yet? Have you been successful on that yet? No, oh, I've never actually hunted a grouse. So um, I, it, it, will be, it will be an adventure, that's for sure. Because, I mean you know, I've heard a lot about, oh, you know, dogs don't always point grouse right away. I mean, I'm going with a almost 10 year old dog who's never hunted grouse. So we'll see. I mean, obviously she's very used to the cover and stuff with hunting woodcocks. I'm hoping that will help, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, it'd be great to see some, if I can actually shoot one that remains to be seen, but <laughs> I was about to say, if if somebody's telling you that the pointing is a difficult thing, it's just like, well, yeah. <laughs> the first step, yes, you do have to find them. But the second step is uh, shooting them is the real challenge. That is don't don't aim, just, you know, po- point and shoot. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure if we do find some and I'm missing them all, Zara's going to be very disappointed in me. But <laughs> right. that's uh, not unusual. <laughs> so. Yep. Well, that's awesome. Well, I, I hope that you're successful. You'll have to let me know if you if you get one, especially. I'd be excited for it. And uh, best of luck to you. Be safe out there. And hopefully, uh, you, you know, Chris enjoys the wedding. And then uh, you you get your grouse done in the 48 hours that's allotted for you. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, yes, thanks, Nick. It's always great to talk with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting.
Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.